Welcome back to another OU Football Podcast powered by the Norman Transcript. My name is Joe Bettner, and joining me today is the man who is the third string top dog in event of injury, Tyler Palmatier. How are you, Tyler? I'm doing good, Joe. How are you doing? I am great. Top dog's back. The world feels at peace. Who is top dog? The sun's shining. Who is top dog? No one knows. That's also true. No one knows who the real top dog is. Well, the real top dog, please stand up. The local media has flooded the market with top dog content A lot of conflicting today. reports. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's very interesting. You've got a lot of different people with the same story telling it a little bit. It's just like having a group of kids try to tell you, like, you know, here's what happened. And I'm just going to, you know, some, some differences. I really... It would have been fun to write, not fun in a serious way. I I really appreciate journalistic integrity, but write a story about somebody who was like a top dog, let's say like 93, but then like completely fabricate his whole life. It could be fiction, but like he turns out to be, he gets really heavily involved. He was getting a degree in government affairs. He joins the CIA. It sounds like a psychological thriller, just like the real mascot was himself. <laughs> just like That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I don't know. We need to pitch this to this Hollywood. Is why I, this is why I write nonfiction, because I don't know if I'd make it as a fiction person, but... I think if we both grew beards, we could look like Hollywood types. Like, just like, kind of like screenplay writers and stuff. <sighs> I, I can't grow a beard. Oh, wow. I grow like a... What do you grow? I grow like a... I call it like, it's like a Johnny Depp shape. Like I get one little line around my chin, two little lines here, kind of like Count of Monte Cristo. I can get a pretty nasty mustache going. Can you? Yeah. And a be- I mean, I can get the beard. It's just like, I, mean, I haven't tried in a long time is the thing. Mine doesn't look good. I mean, I look like I'm not doing well if I grow it out for too long. It looks like I'm, people are coming up to me. They're like, do you need food? Do you <laughs> need religion? How, what's happened? <laughs> well, Tyler. Uh, we're not just here today to discuss Tyler and I's facial deficiencies. Although I would like to get back to facial that. Facial hair deficiencies. We're here to talk about football, which I know is what you all come here for. College football season, though, is effectively over as LSU. I know probably a, whole, a lot of people don't want to hear about the national title game. Maybe you tuned it out. Maybe you didn't. But LSU beat Clemson for said national title. This is the first time Oklahoma has lost to the national champion in the college football playoff era, or has played the champion in the semifinal. Before, each team that has beat OU in the semifinal has been the runner-up. This is the first time it's happened. So I don't know if that makes anyone feel better. Although I will say this, and I want to start here. LSU and that offense was incredible, and they were incredible against Oklahoma, and I think we all kind of anticipated that coming. I did not expect I, – and I kind of – you know, I thought if anyone was going to be able to do this to Clemson, LSU was. But I did not expect them to be that dominant in the second half. Yeah, I was I was watching it. I didn't watch it intensely. I was laying out our newspaper. So had a view of the game on our television. And I thought about tweeting out like in the first 10 minutes, you know, as Clemson – things were going well for Clemson, obviously, on both sides – I thought about tweeting, you know, something to the effect of, okay, we have a team that's going to stand toe-to-toe with LSU. But then I was like, you know, it's pretty early 
things do have a way of changing, you know, people adjust or whatever, you know, the, the cream rises to the top, what have you. And that's exactly what happened. And it was just it, like every time I looked up after that, the things Joe Burrow was like six for six, me looking at the TV and him making an amazing play. I mean, the, his ability to scramble, you know, even those times early in the game when he was backed up into his own end zone, his ability to move around and then just make a like a strong throw was really impressive. And those receivers, Chase and Jefferson, are just crazy. I mean, they catch everything. They and they do something with it afterwards. It's not just Burrow. Burrow puts the ball on the money so much, but I mean, just his receivers' ability, just the way they catch it. I mean, they've I, they've got a couple CD Lambs, and I'm not, you know, I think Jamar Chase is better than CD Lamb, Ooh. and I'm not sure that Jefferson isn't equal. I mean, I'm. I haven't watched them all that much, but man, those guys make great catches. Their ability to just haul it in, and then they're just strong dudes. I, I'm not just saying this to play devil's advocate. I do think the best receiver in the country this season was CD Lamb. I just think physically Ooh. what he does on I'll the field. Fight you. Let's do it right here. <laughs> You're Stephen A. I'm Kellerman. Let's go. Now I do think CD Lamb. I mean, I I think that LSU has. It's just a product of, A, they recruit so, so well. But also, they are in a hotbed of hotbeds. First off, you have this fertile recruiting ground that, oh, you would love to cash in on more and more. But also, it just seemed like, as far as LSU, it just seems like they have this weird way of finding a way to assemble the best team possible the year that the national title game is in New Orleans. And I don't get what that is. I don't know what's in the water down there. I don't want to know what's in the water down there. But LSU, just talent-wise from top to bottom, yes, is better than Oklahoma is at this point. And I don't think that's a hot take. But I do think that C.D. Lamb, though, would be the best receiver on that football team. I, it's, I mean, it's a hard comparison because I think Lamb's numbers would have been – we may have seen even more of what Lamb is able to do if he had a quarterback yeah. that got it to him on the money a lot. And he became I – and mean, he did a lot with kind of a little. And they sprung him a couple times for some things. And then sometimes, you know, uh, I'll have to revisit Spencer Davis's thread about C.D. Lamb scored on this play. Other times he just did it kind of like a – kind of like Superman. But I think more – C.D. Lamb's so physical. I think I'm just still so impressed with LSU's receivers um, from a physical standpoint. I mean, they're – I'm not saying they're head and shoulders better. That doesn't strike me as – they don't strike me as just being, whoa, I mean, they're not even on the same page better. But I just could not have been more impressed with what I saw in the semifinal against OU and then in the the national championship game. And I I think if you're watching that game and you're OU, if you did, if you're an OU fan, that that had to be a little bit encouraging. I mean, you – they essentially blew out Clemson. Yeah. I mean, they have blown out everybody. You're not – I'm not saying, you know, the, that the, the lopsided score that was in the semifinal is excusable because that was a little out of control still. But, like, this was a historic offense with great things around it. And a really great defense, an underrated yeah. defense, because 
they made life hell for Trevor Lawrence. I have seen him flustered before, but man, LSU just, they made, I mean, that was the, that was one of the worst games we've seen from Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Um, LSU just had everything going for them. And like you said, this game has to make you feel a little bit better as an Oklahoma fan because LSU could have easily put up 50 in that game. They slowed down in the fourth quarter. And obviously they slowed down against Oklahoma in the second half, and they probably could have put up more than they did than the 63 points that LSU put up against Oklahoma. But I, I do think that they could have put up even more on Clemson. It, they, they took their foot off the gas. And it's just and that's a crazy thing to me because, as you mentioned at the beginning of the game, LSU was not awake. And then once they flipped that switch, it was just there was no stopping them. No stopping them whatsoever. And a lot of credit has to go to this LSU staff. Uh, and having a quarterback like Joe Burrow just really makes you think that if if guys like Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray would have had a great defense, just what they could have done, how they would be looked back on in college football history. Because I do think from what you bring up about how Burrow is able to make these throws on the move and is able to get around in the pocket, make these really strong throws um, – a lot of it reminds me of Baker Mayfield, um, and he's but better. I mean, essentially, yeah. at least for what we saw. I mean, that size, and then just uh, the inability guys to bring him down because of his size. I was gonna say because Baker was very accurate. I don't know mm-hmm. if like the the arm strength is quite on par with with Burrow. Burrow's is just. I mean, both of them though. That just they make these very very beautiful passes that not a lot of quarterbacks can do. They are in a a tier, and you could you know argue whether Burrow is better. And the the one thing that someone brought up was the fact that there is a uh, real possibility that there's going to be a division with Burrow with the Bengals, Baker with the Browns, and Lamar with the Ravens, and then the Steelers with Duck Hodges. Uh, not quite, you know. One of these things is not like the other, but I mean, that's just like so much quarterback talent. It's a lot uh, of fun. A lot of fun. But no, Joe Burrow, though, really good. Um, really, I mean, and if you're an Oklahoma fan, you really can't fault him for, or fault LSU fans for loving this, but like Burrow's a little cocky. And, you know, Oklahoma's had their fair share of guys that have kind of come through and had that persona. But, you know, like it's they, a different version of cocky. I feel like Mayfield didn't try and hide it at all. And Burrow is a is it's kind of like understated cocky, you know, yeah. like, and that's the other thing that blows my mind about LSU's national championship run. Like, they they owned this from the start. I mean, they were talking all kinds of smack the, before the Oklahoma game, and they backed all of it up. I mean, they'll get re- they'll be remembered for their swagger too. The gonna be a you know, there's the, the pieces of the story kind of continued after the game. The smoking of cigar, just I don't, amazing. I, you don't hear that often of college football teams lighting up cigars in the locker room. Maybe they do it, but it, we just heard about it last night because apparently a police officer said he was just going to start arresting uh, six five, two hundred fifty pound men in helmets. What a narc! <laughs> just what an absolute narc i don't get it i'm all for law enforcement but come on man they just want i they just won the national title in nola like i bet somebody on the lsu team team gave that officer a noogie do you think like, odell they probably gave him a wedgie <laughs> no i think he was bullied by everybody on that lsu team that's how i'll remember that team i just think they had swag they had 
toughness and like they they just emitted something about guys that were just like we that knew they were the best in the country and i mean they blew everybody out they didn't technically well i don't know i'd have to look at all their score i think they had a pretty close game against someone alabama was fairly close but you remember the first half they were they, they got a healthy lead so it just, they could have put up 50 on bama yeah i just they were an all-time team i think if there's any good news for the rest of college football based on that result we saw it's not that this is some huge gap that exists between one two and three and everyone else it might just be that like you know and like in i don't know why my parents used to have this little plot of land that was like we called it the farm which it kind of was and it was by a river and they got flooded really bad one year and everybody around there said the same thing it's a generational flood doesn't come around that often i think lsu that team and maybe even burrow they those that's a generational team i don't think that's something that lsu is going to turn around every year like this is our 2001 miami basically could be and maybe they go on a run where a couple years where it happens like you know i mean there's dynasties occur alabama's done it and that that gap there may i'm not saying there's not a gap between like the bamas the lsu's the clemson's these teams that are winning the recruiting wars and clearly pulling away from a lot of people but it's not a 63 28 gap yeah I mean, this is the first non or non Alabama Clemson champ since 2014 when Ohio State won. Is that right? Mm. The first team to break through because Alabama won 15, Clemson 16, Alabama 17, Clemson 18. So yeah, you might be right. I can't, the very brain, first playoff was won together. The the very first playoff was won by Ohio State. I just I just point this out because mm-hmm. it is possible to break through. And I you think can break through. LSU showed that. Um, I, I think that Oklahoma is obviously this year they were not anywhere close to being on the level of a team like LSU. But I don't think there were – I mean, I don't think any team in the country was that close to LSU. Because I think the way we look at it was Clemson, LSU, Ohio State were the, the big three, and then there was a huge just pile of garbage and then the fourth best team. But I go. You could honestly make the argument that it was LSU on its own island, and then you know a lot of separation between them and Clemson, Ohio State, and then that separation and to then, the fourth best. And team. then some attrition with yeah. OU's injuries. I mean, they just that made it even worse to not have seventh some, in the AP poll. By the way, sorry, hmm. uh, they finished seventh in the AP poll. Right. That uh, they had four straight years of top five finishes. But do you think That's that? Over. Do you think that? The, I mean, and it, I guess it doesn't matter. But just you bring up the attrition part of it. Mm-hmm. If they had those players, I I don't know if it, the results any. I mean, it's probably a little bit. Better. I think the results just better. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to change the result. I'm just saying it was like a perfect storm of this just powerful team facing a team that was missing missing some guys, missing some dudes. But I I guess I bring up the AP poll thing. I mean, was Oklahoma the seventh best team in the country? I mean, was was uh, was Alabama and uh, Georgia better than they were? I guess you could make the case. I just think if you're four and you get blown out like that, you deserve to drop three spots. That doesn't bother me. Fair enough. You just have to live with that. And I Fair mean, because that's how the poll works. I don't know. Voters have a very. I, I don't vote in it, but I think the people that have done it for a long time and that are maybe even the good ones, 
or whoever you are, everybody's got a formula. And I don't think you can change that at the end of the year and just reset and say, okay, who do I think are the best teams in the country? I think if you're four and you get done to you what LSU did, you just deserve however far you fall. You just got to live with it. SAP voters, it's tough, Tyler. It's not easy. It's lonely at the top. You know, you are our AP uh, men's basketball voter. I went on the I went on a podcast on Sunday. They were asking me how I put together my poll, and it's not the most scientific thing, but it is a tough thing to evaluate losses. Just how much you should drop a team, especially when they lose to a team ranked above them, because you would think that it, the teams below them should lose to them. And so that's kind of like Texas Tech last week lost to West Virginia and Kansas. I didn't. I think I dropped them a spot. I'm like, yeah, those teams are better than them. They should lose to them. And so I think it's all about finding a formula. I've never really done it. I did it for women's basketball for a couple yeah. years. It became such a albatross around my neck every Sunday night. Uh, and I was always, you know, I, I cover the women's basketball team here, but it's really hard keeping up with all the women's basketball. And I just was not – you know, you have you voters deserve to. I gave up my vote because I didn't want to put in the effort required to really find the best teams. And yeah. I mean, I would willingly admit that. I filled out a ballot one time in Las Vegas at like 2 a.m. I had to have it done. I didn't want to do it the next day. I did it at 2 a.m. in a fog and in a Las Vegas I, fog. And I accidentally left off utah who absolutely deserved to be in and i got an email not confirmed identity but the email was from a scott romney who is Mitt romney's brother <laughs> in real life i don't you know I, this is not identified but he was basically like you're a freaking idiot and i was it was an oversight on my part and that was a good indicator i was like you know what this is a tough job you have to you know you have to dedicate time to it and I don't. I trust the AP voters that they got, you know, whatever. I, again, I don't feel bad for OU that they dropped after what happened in that semifinal. They deserved to drop. They they got They should look at if that bothers them. They should look at that all off season and let that be their motivator. I the thing that kind of uh, another thing I thought was interesting looking at what Burrow and LSU did was Lincoln Riley after the Peach Bowl said he just said you guys. You have to understand, this is freaking hard. You know how he always comes in and says winning's hard after games where they play pretty crappy and they probably should have blown somebody out. They just yeah. He says winning's hard. That's his, one of his favorite things. But it got me thinking, does LSU – they average the same yards per play as OU this year, but there's this feeling like with the coaching and the personnel they had, as powerful as their offense looked, a lot of people are saying – you know, Kirk Herbstreet said last night, this is the best offense I've ever seen in college football. Does LSU now own the standard for offense in the nation? I don't think you can be the standard after one season. It's got to be an extended period because I think we've seen a lot of good offenses. I think you can. I think you can make the argument that this is the best offense we've ever seen in college football, and I think there are probably some counterpoints to it not being number one. But I think if LSU is the standard, I mean, I want to see it for three to four years how you go through a cycle because i think oklahoma's done that with and i'm once again not trying to pump up oklahoma but like they have done this since lincoln riley has gotten to you we do this they have been russell westbrook once said yeah no i agree i think you got to do it consistently and you've got to be able to go out and you know joe burr uh, 
you know, Baker Mayfields and Kyler Murrays don't just fall out of nowhere, although he sort of did here for a couple of years. I mean, and the transfer portal does make it possible for you to get your nails into experienced guys. I, I don't know the exact – when you look at how Mayfield and Murray got here, that didn't just happen overnight. That was, Those weren't like arranged marriages like Jalen Hurts. They no. both were sidelined for a year and developed, kind of were slowly integrated into the system. But I, I agree with you. I think it takes some time to get – consistently doing this but it's just interesting to me that it's how football is all about what have you done for me lately you know all of a sudden you know for two straight seasons it just seemed like what OU was doing with Mayfield and Murray was just like wow this is just you know it just blew people's minds they couldn't believe the yards per play and the efficiency which the efficiency end I think is still I think OU still the standard in efficiency as far as the plays that they run compared to what the yardage they put up but it was all about Oklahoma for two years, even though they never won a championship, a national championship. But Big 12 LA, counts. Mm, <laughs> not for a national championship. Big 12 is a championship. I, did, I, I, re, I, uh, I, I rephrased it, okay? I understand. Um, and I totally agree. But I'm just, I don't know. It's just a thought that came to my head, and it's just like funny. You just got to go back to the drawing board. You get two straight Heisman winning quarterbacks. Your offenses are that, are that good as Riley had, and now all of a sudden it's like – Boom, LSU, they do this. I mean, yeah. it's just. I mean, it's going to be fun to see what Derek King does with Lincoln Riley's offense next season. I, <laughs> I think that King puts up just seven thousand passing yards, and I think Spencer Rattler might light Memorial Stadium on fire <laughs> if that happens. He might he might part a put a barnacle on Derek King's <laughs> car. <laughs> might barnacle the Barry Switzer Center doors. Or, uh, um. Man, that's a funny. That, what a fun thing to drop in the middle of the national title game. Hey, I'm in the portal. Just like, can we enjoy this game? I couldn't tell if he was trying to steal the spotlight of the national championship or like make that like a national championship news drop where it sort of like got buried by the championship coverage. But did you see Dana Holgerson's like his subtweet? No, he put LFG with a bunch of exclamation points. I don't know if it was we. There's no confirmation that it was toward Derek King, but you would assume that like, you know, it it could be. Maybe it means, I don't know. I I don't want to decipher that guy's messages. He seems like he's, as much as I kind of love him as a character, I don't know. I th- it seems like he's a little off. Yeah. But yeah, we'll see. I don't know. It's interesting. I, the one thing that was also interesting about the whole Derek King thing was. Gary Patterson during the coach's film room uh, thing that they call it. So ESPN does the mega cast of college football national championship games. And on like ESPNU, they have like four head coaches. Basically you get to watch the game and like they react to everything. And Gary Patterson, Derek Mason, uh, Mike Gundy, one other guy uh, whose name escapes me, but I don't remember the third. I just remember. uh, But Patterson like he like leaned over to Gundy and he was like hey remind me to show you something at the break someone just entered the, entered the transfer portal and it's around the time that Derek King had tweeted that and he's th- then Patterson said something to the effect of like I can guess where he's gonna end up and I was like I wonder what that means like I think people some people thought that he was referring to OU rightfully so not, but okay, I look, thought he was just at my first thought was that he was like 
I thought he was hinting that they were going to get him or something. That's what I thought. Because I was like, and let me be clear. TCU, they being TCU. Yes. I want to be clear. I don't think Oklahoma's going to get Deer King. And it I don't think make they, any sense. They don't want Deer no. King. No. But TCU makes a lot of sense. And yeah. That makes perfect sense. Honestly, um, I don't know if they would do this or not, but he makes a lot of sense for Oklahoma State, too. I don't know if they're ready to pull Spencer the... Spencer Sanders would be... He would light Boone Pickens Stadium on fire. I don't know happens. if Spencer Sanders... Uh, I don't think he can mentally handle that. I don't think any Oklahoma State's anywhere close to pulling the plug on Spencer Sanders, but, I mean, King, Hubbard, he, and Tylen Wallace? Sign me up. That would be fun. Mike Gundy's eyes did get a little too wide. I mean, he can't turn the ball any over any more times than Spencer Sanders did. Which was a lot. By Wasn't the way, there someone who, after a transfer, he redshirted? Uh, kind of like, well, I think I'm thinking along the lines of like a Michael Jones at OU. You know, he was going into a season where it was clear he wasn't going to play very much, and he utilized the redshirt rule and came back the next year. Um, not anywhere cl- close to the high-profile thing that we're talking about. No, no, no. I'm talking about oh Oklahoma. I'm talking about somebody who. Utilized the redshirt rule, redshirted, but stayed at their school to like wait for the depth to depth chart to open up above them. Oh, gotcha. so like essentially, if Spencer, if if uh, Derek King went to OSU, Spencer Sanders could do what Rattler did this year, where he's the backup slash probably going to redshirt and then he already redshirted though. Oh, that's right, he did. Yes, because Gundy's an idiot, and he thought Taylor. Cor- I mean, okay, I, I I think I've said this before. The whole starting Taylor Cornelius thing makes a lot more sense after seeing what Spencer Sanders did as a, tr- as a redshirt freshman. I'm okay with him starting Taylor Cornelius, but I don't get not playing Spencer Sanders in at least four games. Yeah, I'm not saying that would have helped his turnover problem, but I would say it hadn't hurt. I, we don't have this, Joe, right now on our uh, outline for today, but you you just touched on it. Chuba Hubbard coming back, and that yeah. sort of has set, that sort of set Oklahoma State Twitter off and. All of a sudden, we're looking at the – it kind of turned everybody's attention toward the Big 12 race. Just uh, – it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. You know, I'm not going to name names, but some people are throwing out Oklahoma State in the national championship game next year, which is just ludicrous. I mean, I don't think after what we saw this year, I, I'm not convinced any Big 12 team is ready to get into that game. Well, to go back to what we were talking about with LSU – Not next year. Um what you were saying with you think that LSU might have like a few CD lambs. I think if I don't he, know about moving forward, but the, well, no, no, no. I'm talking no, about so, what I saw I know, Monday. I know they have looked. Like, they have two. Well, no. Here's what I was going to say though. Like to, to kind of go back to that point you made, and I get that Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace are really good players, but Alabama, the Alabama and Clemson of the world have those guys on a yearly basis, and they usually have multiple of those guys, and they also have a defense. And that kind of what separates them. Which we all know is the big thing. I mean, LSU, this is what you can do with electric offense and I can't find a good adjective for defense, but just damn good defense. A stingy defense. Stingy. Hard-nosed. Slobber-knocking. That term's a little dated. In 2020, that sounds a little gross. Yeah, a little bit. Um, but I thought it was kind of cool. 
Well, first of all, I'm just glad the Chuba Hubbard thing, all the Canadian flags, that's over. For a second, I was I was like, is he just going to enter the draft? And this is all just the dumbest thing I've ever seen. It went from really cool to is this just going to backfire and worked out. But then like Todd Monken didn't go back to OSU. That was supposed to be. Maybe he just saw all of his friends doing it. He was like, yeah, I want to get on this. Didn't know what it was, though. Yeah, but. That's kind of an old guy move. Kind of. It's a little different. I just, okay, so I want to say Oklahoma State, I don't think they're going to be a national title contender next year. The, the, this is not the, this is not the team. And maybe I get old takes, old takes exposed. Maybe this is going to be a great run for Oklahoma State. I do think that my prediction that I made uh, one or two weeks ago on this po- very podcast that it would be a Bedlam rematch in the Big 12 title game, I'm all but I'm I am moving even more chips to the center of the table in on that. I just want that so bad. Be fun. I just want that so bad because that would be just. I mean, it would just be a blast. Do you think that? Um, do you think that f- both fan bases would travel well for that? AT and T Stadium. Do you think it would oh, be, yeah. be rocking? Mm-hmm. Because I think there's a, a. It doesn't get talked about as much because OSU doesn't make the pilgrimages to pil- pilgrimage to Dallas every year like OU to the Cotton Bowl, but. There's a lot of Dallas kids that go to OSU, and I mean, they're it's farther away than um, obviously from Norman to Dallas than it is Stillwater to Dallas, or the other way around, opposite. It's farther from Stillwater, but they've got a, a lot of Dallas kids that go there. So, and those kids go back home after college. So I think there'd be, I think there'd be more OU fans, but I it'd be nice. It'd be like it'd be on. It'd be pretty close to like OU Texas, I think. Well, Although, like, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. know it's if a really would, good question now that I think about it. I don't know if it would be on par with OU Texas as big. T- I mean, that was well, that was a historic crowd. I'm saying I think it would be on that level. I'm not saying it would match that number, but yeah. I don't know that it'd be too far below it. I don't think it'd be it'd be better than this last year's crowd. I mean, I just thought like 2017, the Big 12 was probably not super happy that TCU made it because they just don't have a huge fan base, and neither does Baylor. Yeah. Same problem. I, I think OSU fans would find a way to go. I think there's a lot in Texas. Yeah. And I think the ones in Oklahoma would say it's a drive to Dallas in a hotel room for one night. Like it's not it's just pretty convenient. I thirty five north Saturday night would be a just awful. Uh, I'd stay till the next Tuesday. Yeah. I'd get, yeah, that's a good idea. Or like Monday. Um but no, I think it is kind of it's just kind of it's just Hubbard made that decision on a Monday of the national championship, and I just thought it was kind of interesting that now all of a sudden just gave everybody a free pass or sort of an opportunity to talk about the Big 12 next year. And um, OSU in the past, things have lined up like this for them. Yeah, They still have to do something with it. I mean, they had some guys with Rudolph and uh, Hill, and you know, it's not always worked out for them. They've, they've got to take another – kind of like OU's got to take another step to win a national championship. Oklahoma State, since that one in 2011, just has a couple more whatever it is. I mean, I don't know if it's defense. It's it's just mainly it's just kind of beating OU. Yeah. I mean, and it doesn't help Oklahoma State that not only are they going to have to play Oklahoma in Norman, they're going to play Oklahoma twice, which yeah. Gundy has beaten OU two times in his entire career. I mean, you have to have kind of a generational type OSU team to do that. I don't know if this is – I look at what they have – Sure, there's a lot of potential you can talk about, but they had those three guys earlier this year, and they weren't. 
that good. If you, if you really want to talk yourself into Oklahoma State and Spencer Sanders, I think is the main thing because I think Chuba and Tylen are very proven. But if you want to talk yourself into like Spencer Sanders making a big leap, he's going to have a new offensive coordinator. But also, guys just make jumps. Like Joe Burrow was not this player a year ago. He just wasn't. And maybe that was on the bench. No, he was he was playing for LSU. He grad transferred with two years of eligibility left. I didn't realize he made that kind of a jump. I mean, I thought he made a huge jump. He obviously did. But I think it's also has to do with scheme and the offensive system that he was put into the mm-hmm. season that really unlocked that talent. Right. So, I don't know. But I think that Oklahoma fans, obviously, they're kind of having a heyday with it just because they get to poke fun at Oklahoma State for basically throwing a championship parade in January, which, you know, it – Obviously, if this was Oklahoma and it was like CeeDee Lamb and Kenneth Murray were both coming back, Oklahoma fans would be very happy. It's just I think what we're looking at right now is Oklahoma State has basically solidified themselves as the number two team in the Big 12. and I'm fine with them celebrating it. Yeah. I mean, but that 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 last, excited, that, that last weekend of the season is going to be Texas-Oklahoma State. That's the last regular season game for both teams. And Stillwater, right? That's going to be a play-in game for the Big 12 title. Mm-hmm. Mark it down. But really fun stuff. Really, really fun stuff ahead for college football. We've got a long offseason of kind of picking at these these storylines and narratives. Uh, but it's, you know, it's kind of Oklahoma. One thing we didn't touch on that happened, Creed Humphrey coming back, and which is something we kind of assumed would happen. Just because he's but an, but you Oklahoma. never know. Yeah, it's just it's centers are hard. It's a hard thing for them, especially getting uh, just kind of feeling out where they're going to get drafted. But also, he's an Oklahoma boy. You kind of thought if any, if anyone was going to come back and want to, you know, the whole unfinished business mantra, mm-hmm. it's probably Creed Humphrey. Right. And I mean that offensive line, it, it, you would you would assume that they'll be much improved from this season. And it's going to be a good situation for for Spencer Rattler or Tanner Mordecai, mm-hmm. whichever one wins the job. Um, Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon are we are we pretty much certain that those both those guys are coming back? Do we expect Kennedy Brooks to make an announcement or Trey Sermon to make an announcement? Uh, you know, I don't know that it behooves them to make an announcement. I mean, Kennedy Brooks. I know that I mean, Kurt, either could go. Yeah, Kersey reported that Brooks was coming back. Yeah, and I guess if he just – I don't know. I mean, neither of those guys were just such slam dunks to go. Sometimes it's just best to just kind of fly under the radar. They're both kind of low-key low in their own way. I don't see – I don't see him. And Sermon, I just don't – I mean, although he's been injured and stuff, and you may want to get out of foot, college football and just cash in – if you've had some injuries, um, I don't really see what the – he for sure should come back. I think NFL teams need to see more of him. I wonder how much – Because he just didn't have a lot of carries this season. I don't want to get too deep into this, but I wonder how much the XFL opens up guys to be like, well, if I don't make it to the NFL, I can go get paid in the XFL. They're not getting paid in the XFL. They're not? Non-quarterbacks are barely getting anything. Oh, well. From what I've read, quarterbacks are getting paid. That's good. What's Other people are like making very little. What's Landry making? I don't know. Sit on the bench for the Renegades. Yeah, I don't know. I'm already. It hasn't even started, and I'm done with the XFL. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. Training I can't, camp, I'm, baby. I'm so ready to stop having to care about what goes on. 
in that league. I just think it, it, it's like a it's it's a neat idea to have year-round football because it's a beast that feels like it needs to be fed. But I just kind of get I get I'm I'm kind of footballed out. I wish people could see my face right now. It's a mixture of concern and annoyance, and there's anger in there too. If you can't see that. Just over fo- more football? Or? Over the idea of the XFL and year-round football. Yeah. And, like, a it's lesser good to have a brand break. of football that I have to pay attention to at work. Oh, poor you, Mr. Sports Rider. Yeah. You have the best job in the world, Tyler. There's a lot of other stuff going on. <laughs> a lot of other stuff. But. Time to get into our foreign politics section. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I just don't want to care about it, and I know I will for a little bit, and it'll be brief. <laughs> I mean, are they going to go bankrupt a month in, like the? I hope so. <laughs> the Alliance of American Football. If they're not paying people, you're not going to have players. And you know what? Have you seen some of the photos of guys that are playing? They're not in good shape. <laughs> That's why they got training camp. They got to get them into shape. They got to train them up. This sounds like a movie, like. A ragtag group of execs starts a league, and like I just want to see like uh, you know the the backup quarterback shows up like smoking a cigarette and drinking a beer, and he's just hanging out. He's got like a paycheck for like twenty grand a year. They're like, Hastings, get over here. You're in. It's my smoke break. He like (laughs) sucks down the cigarette, throws it out. He goes in and just like. 70 yard bomb i'd i'd watch that I'd be but the police that. are waiting for him in the tunnel as he leaves i think more like cigarettes due to an altercation the night before Th- there needs to be more cigarettes in football that's something cigars in football now we need to be pushing for more smoking in football vaping no vaping no it's lame it's kind of lame it's lame yeah a couple quick hitters here because uh, we are running out of time um some nuggets. You mentioned Creed Humphrey, Alex Grinch. He's not going to Washington State. Was there a really he, big concern around that? No, I don't. I think uh, I don't know who reported it. Somebody at two four seven site in uh, Washington reported that he had declined an interview. But you know, it was out there. Um, I think Grinch's stock's high enough after this one year that, at least for now, there's no reason to jump at the Washington State job. No reason to jump at the back ten, back twelve. We should just call them the Pac-10. They don't deserve to be. They're still the Pac-10 in my mind. They don't need to be referred to by their proper name. Hey, you know what? Big 12 didn't change its number. I still think that the Big 12 should just, like, kick out two teams and go down to the Big 8. Just. That'd be cool. Let's go back to the heyday. I mean, does. You can't. The problem is the imbalance. You can't get rid of Kansas because you need their basketball might. And. Like, really, everybody you, else just kind of has the... Do you need West Virginia and Iowa State? So I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mountaineers and Cyclones. Do, do you really need I'd hate teams? to get out orig- kick out an original member of the Big 8. How do you call it the Big 8 and then kick out one of the originals? I just feel like, you know what? Pull your weight a little bit more. Win 10 games. Yeah. yeah. Win 10. Where would they go? Iowa State. I feel like they could be a dominant team in the American. Man, I know that's a downgrade. I just hate to see. I just hate to see Ames, but also annexed from the Big Twelve. If if they were, 
think about AAC basketball with Iowa State in it. I don't like to think about AAC basketball at all, to be honest, Joe. Um, Wichita State's coming. Yeah, I mean, them aside. But, I mean, Woo, I, shock! Uh, another nugget. Uh, so, Grinch, anyways, not going to be a Washington State. Um, Theo Howard, UCLA grad transfer. He's coming to OU. Uh, he announced that last week. It was official Monday per OU. Uh, Sooners staying in that vein of bringing in a uh, experienced graduate transfer when they need one. It was Jeff Bidette the last time. We looked, and then Geno Lewis and another guy. Justin Brown. Justin Brown. Penn um, State receivers. Mm-hmm. Justin so, Brown and Geno Lewis. Um, and he, Howard put up some pretty good numbers for UCLA before yeah. he was hurt and kind of kept out most of this last year. I mean, they were decent. I think it's a good addition for a room that's uh, maybe a guy early on that you can just – I just think they're coaches like having a guy that's been around in a room, especially with young guys who can at least show them how to act know how to work and kind of how to not to just let you know the freshman rule the roost that's probably not healthy for a room to have like three former five-star receivers who are now sophomores just sort of like running the show you definitely need your nick basquins and your lee morrises you do and yeah they law and those losses will be felt i don't know who like kind of assumes those roles though going forward i think you got to have somebody like a howard just don't know anything about him from that standpoint. We've got to have him just come in and. I know he's not a receiver. He's more of a tight end. But Braden Willis looks like a stern figure. He looks no. like he would get guys in line. He just has stud written all over him. I know. I mean, like I for somebody who's done his numbers aren't very big, but every time he did something this year, I was like, I'm so impressed with him. And he just, uh, and he just sounds like a stand up guy. I mean, based on the way Riley talks about him. And then we've, t- you know, he's talked with the media before he, and he is a really nice, just well put together person, very mature. So yeah, he'll be a, he'll be an Oak in that locker room. As they say, Drake stoops. Is he going to be a leader on this team? <laughs> I don't you know. We haven't learned a whole lot about him. I just wonder if he's just going to like embrace his like dad's just charisma and attitude. Just like, I right, guys, Hey, let's chill now, okay? He does not seem like that to me. All right, we're gonna. <laughs> you need to get to know him as the as our resident high school slash college football writer. You need to. I've talked to him Isaac being from Norman North. I've talked to Isaac a few times. I've talked to Drake before. I did not get the Bob Stoops vibe. Probably not. I got kind of the. He's a little fiery. Like he's a little. I don't really know. Kind of ornery. Kind of ornery. Bull, bull bulldog. <laughs> no, that's not. That would be not be my definition. He's like a little. I don't know how to put it, but he's he's feisty. He's like got some tricks up his sleeve. I, that kid is he scrappy? There's no way he stayed out of trouble in high school. Is he is he Wes Welker type? <laughs> I don't know. I would say who's the guy uh, who was sort of a bad boy who was dating Olivia Colpo. I don't keep up with the gossip. Patriots. I stay away from the gossip. So do I. Edelman might have been Julian. As they call him. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Uh, Theo Howard. Just, it was not him. No, no I Theo know. Theo Howard. I'm done talking about Theo Howard. He's got to prove something to me. But two Theos, though. Yeah, I'm probably going to have to call. Uh, might have to just call Theo Howard Howard. T-H-T-W? Mm, yeah, maybe just T. T-H-T-Dub. I don't know, man. T-How? 
T Money. Thoward. Yeah. Thoward. Thor. Thoward and Thies. I don't know. They'll figure it out. Um, last thing before we go. Uh, OU Kansas men's basketball tonight. We, we're gonna have to talk. We're gonna have to. Uh, we're gonna have to touch on some more basketball as we move uh, out of the football end of the season and deeper into the hoops. Might need to change the name of the podcast. No. To an OU men's basketball podcast. Not another. An OU men's basketball podcast. Part of the. We have have a lot of freedom on here to do whatever we want. Um, But big game for OU. Going to see if their record uh, has. See if they're quite as good as their record. Top Dog is coming back. Top Dog will be back, which... That fervor. You want to talk about your story that you wrote today? You caught up with who we believe So is the first Top Dog? There is some confusion, and I understand. And maybe I could have explained it better. You know, I'm not perfect, Tyler. And I never no one is. claim to be. But if you pick up the Tuesday edition of the Norman Transcript, I wrote about Top Dog and how it became an icon within Oklahoma Sooner basketball lore top dog if you do not know was a dog mascot that was birthed in the 80s and was retired in 2004 because the university wanted a unified mascot which is the ponies the boomer and sooner costumed mascots that you see today truth serum here what do you feel about the ponies top dog aside are they good mascots yeah, I, th- I think that, like, I think, and this might be a weird take, but I think the more mascots, the better. Because you've already got, at the college level, you don't have a big budget to do a lot of, like, bring in, like, outside, like, entertainment and stuff like that. So I think it's good if you can, if you know how to utilize having multiple mascots you can make a good in-game production. It's not for me personally. It's for the people going to the games. But I think having Boomer and Sooner, the way they're utilized, could be better. But I think having the the, the having the depth there in that mascot mascot locker room. In that mascot room, they actually do have a mascot locker room. Um, As they should. In the, in the bowels of Lloyd Noble Center, and it's an interesting room. I, I will say. Um, Did you sneak in there? I actually was trying to find a room to do an interview with uh, the original Top Dog, and I ended up finding the ma- like. So this was yesterday, after the OU men's basketball practice, and like I was just trying to find a room to like do this interview, and I saw it, and like no one was in there, so I was like, I'm just gonna do it in here, and it was actually really fitting. Uh, you did but, the interview in there? Yeah, like over the phone. Oh, I thought you were with him. Okay. No. I yeah, I was just like, hey, come come to the locker room. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll I was wondering why he would be around. Chop it up. Yeah. No. Uh but I, I wrote about the first top dog who technically at that time it was not called Top Dog. They actually brought it over from the OU wrestling program, which was underdog. And Billy Tubbs thought um, a mascot would drum up excitement. And he worked with Jan Lane Warner who actually was married to uh, Lester Lane, who was hired as OU's men's basketball coach, but died before he uh, before he started. Jan stayed in Norman and um, 
kind of joined Billy's, not his staff, but like was very integral into the Tippin Club, which is the booster club for men's basketball. Um, she was she brought the first Palm Squad to men's basketball. Um, the Palm, or I guess OU men's basketball didn't have the Palm Squad or much spirit group behind it as much as football did. And obviously, this is the same. Like OU basketball had a really lame game atmosphere before it brought yeah. an extra Palm Squad and a mascot into the well, into like, the fray. Yeah, you got to. I mean. Yeah, so like the the that be, the she kind of spearheaded those things, and she reached out to a man by the name of Rick Bresney, who was already a part or not uh, really a part of the Palm Squad, but his older sister was, and he was basically their kind of do it all guy as far as like carrying their equipment and bringing them water, um, and kind of the way he described it, he was just like I. Uh, kind of like was also there as kind of like some muscle just as far as like you know we all know why he was there <laughs> his older sister trying was, to find a well his older sister was on the team okay on the pop squad doesn't make i think you know that's a good way did he meet his wife there i don't think so it just sounds like what he was doing it just seems like totally he went, fine it just seems like what he, he wanted to be a part of events yeah. basketball in some way but anyway uh jan lane warner this whole thing with Billy Tubbs wanting to have a mascot. She found a shop in Oklahoma city mm-hmm. um, that would make them a costume. And at the last minute she was like, Hey, can you do this? And he agreed, but he didn't want anyone to know it was him. Um, which is kind of a funny thing because there's an OU daily article. He still has a hold of from the eighties. That's like, who is top dog? Cause no one on campus knew he went to, extreme lengths to make sure no one knew who he was and it wasn't because he was embarrassed he just thought it was funny mm-hmm. that no one knew and it's kind of fitting that there was this myth behind top dog and now that the myth has kind of carried on decades later as we kind of look at him as a nostalgic mythical thing but and it makes you wonder who is the next top dog because they kept that they've kept all this so quiet i know i mean I know. they would did they hold a tryout do you know is like is it Mike Houck? Just throwing that out there. Is we it Patrick we, Dunn? We <laughs> we I'm going to look around and see from who, if the OU, who at the OU Athletics Communications isn't there tonight. And I will accuse like multiple people tonight of being top dog. Oh, oh man. That's great. What if they. Uh, I think it would be cool. What if every night, top dog in the third quarter, I guess it's, well, it depends on if it's a men's or women's game, midway through the second half, top dog takes his uh, head off and it's a different OU personality, like Blake Griffin one night. Of course, I guess you would know if it was like a 6'7 dog, but, yeah, or 6'10, whatever he is, but like normal sized. I think that would be cool. I think some children would be scared by the dog. I know. I don't think you want to do that. But Taking his head off. Let's, let's get weird. I thought that was Top Dog's <laughs> personality. I thought that was his whole persona, his aura. Eh, a little bit. I don't know. But it should be a fun night tonight. Uh, the transcript will be there in full force. Uh, Clay Horning will write a column, and I will be there helping to do whatever else I can do to assist with a big basketball game. So Glad you and Clay can make time to... Help out with men's basketball. Hey, whatever we can do. Um, I don't really have anything else to add, Joe, do you? I don't know. 
I do not. This was fun. I'm going to send us out today. All right. For Joe Bentner, I'm Tyler Palmatier. Thank you for listening to another OU Football Podcast. Joe? See you all later.